The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Orange County, are you ready? It's time. For the best damn radio show in all of Orange County. What's it called? The OC Show! Right here, right now, on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I sit perched upon this glorious hill, speaking the truth about Orange County politics to all that will listen. Telling you about the evils of Michael Schroeder and Susan Kang Schroeder and Larry Agron. That's right, folks. There's only one man, maybe two, that's willing to stand up and tell you what's going on, what's really going on in Orange County politics. And while the sun shines 355 days of the year here in Orange County, you can always count on three things. Expensive lattes, expensive SUVs, and Cameron Jackson. Speaking to you every Friday, here at KUCI. Join me. Bam, baby. Welcome to the show. I am Cameron Jackson, back once again. Thank you very much. Yes, yes, thank you. I can hear the applause out there. I don't have a laugh track for you or an applause track right now, but that's okay, because I am back, baby, back behind the board here at KUCI. Yeah! All right. It's been a while. I know it's been a while. I'm a little excited. Uh, I'm very excited because I have an awesome guest today, but before I get to my guest, before I get to my guest, a couple little house cleaning things that we have to go through here at the the old DOC show. my name is Cameron Jackson. Uh, if you don't remember, I was on the air here. I've been on the air here kind of on and off since 2004, talking about Orange County politics here in Orange County. One of the few voices uh, of reason and truth out there talking about what really happens here when it comes to Orange County politics, who the players are, what they mean, what they mean to you, and what they really mean, what they say. Uh, when they say things that aren't really true, what they really mean. So um, I put the good guys and the bad guys on the show all the time. And uh, today I've got, like I said, a great guest. Uh, But before that, let's do some of the house cleaning like I always do. If you're just joining us and you want to listen, once you get outside of your car, outside of your jail cell, in the day room, wherever you might be, go to theocshow.net or you can go to KUCI.org. The fastest way you can go is to KUCI.org. Click in the upper right-hand corner for your streaming audio. Also, if you want during the show, I don't have a call screener. That's okay. But you can send me an email during the show. I get it on my BlackBerry. It's the amazing thing of technology. Talk to a Cameron at theocshow.net. That is C-A-M- 
E-R-O-N, at theocshow.net, all one word, theocshow.net, Cameron at theocshow.net. You can send me uh, a question via email if you'd like, and, hey, if it's good, I'll uh, read it. Most times I always read them because my listeners are pretty awesome, and they always send me good questions. So, uh, we have an upcoming sheriff's race, if you did not know that. It is coming up in June. It has been uh, reported on in quite a few different periodicals here in Orange County. And uh, today I am very, very uh, lucky to have one of the sheriff candidates uh, here in studio with me. He is a very well-known candidate here in Orange County. He ran against the disgraced former now convicted felon, Mike Corona, back in 2006. That's actually when I met uh, Bill Hunt, who is my guest today. Uh, Bill, hello. How are you? I'm great, Cameron. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you are with us. Bill is a um, couple couple disclaimers about Bill. I've known Bill now since 2005, maybe 2004, but at least 2005. 2005, I think. And, you know, uh, Bill is a very good friend. Uh, I'm not going to be very nice to him in this interview, but that's okay. That's my job. <laughs> but uh, Bill and I do have a business relationship. We do do work together between our two businesses. Did here. you say do-do? Yes, I may have. Uh, and we do do businesses, <laughs> business between our two uh, different companies. We have separate companies. We're both private investigators on the side. And um, uh, so that is my legal disclaimer. It's not even a legal disclaimer. It's a disclaimer telling you, the listener, hey, I know this guy's my friend, so if I throw him a softball question here and there, uh, don't get too upset with me. So uh, sorry about that to the listeners. But hey, at least unlike some people in this county, I actually disclose these things. Uh, so, uh, Bill, it's been a long road getting here, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, because, you know, really back in 2005 when we first met on the first election when you ran against Mike Corona, right. uh, you were an unknown. Nobody knew who you were. And you came out uh, with some core platform values, one of which was you were going to, you, you were talking about the corrupt regime of Mike Corona. Right. And that was one of the things that you wanted to clean up at the time. But you had other platforms at that time that um, may have resonated with some, but it wasn't enough uh, to get you over that top. Although you, you got very close to having that a runoff. What was the percentage? I believe it was point. It was less than a percentage point, point zero nine percent or something like that. Three thousand votes countywide, which is pretty small margin. That's a very small margin. What can talk to the listener out there and and let's talk. Let's take go back to '06 about what some of your primary platforms are, and then let's juxtapose that to what your primary platforms are today. Sure. Well, you know, in '06 for me, it. it, it the, the the scandal issues that were surrounding the sheriff's department and the Mike Corona administration were obviously a big part of what was on people's minds. And unfortunately, that's kind of what uh, the focus of the campaign, at least from a media perspective, uh, turned out being about. But for me, it was really more about the way the department was managed, the operational uh, philosophy, the leadership, and the, and the priorities that we should have had in the department. And then some of the uh, political philosophies of the person in office, like the Second Amendment issue, which is, you know, it was... Uh, I, I couldn't get any traction on it back in 2005, and I couldn't and, understand why. And the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms. Correct, the right to keep and bear arms, because here in California, the sheriff is responsible for, really has sole discretion for determining policy on who gets issued a concealed weapon permit and who doesn't. We're a shall-issue state, which I don't think we should be. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a may-issue state. I think we should be shall-issue. So that, that that's a big responsibility that one person 
in an elected office uh, has complete discretion over. And um, one of the issues we talked about back then, you know, Mike Corona issued more concealed weapons permits than his predecessor, Brad Gates. But in a county of three million, it was a pittance in comparison. And when I talk to people about our Second Amendment right and what the responsibility of our elected officials was to live up to their oath of, oath of office and to protect our constitutional rights, it just wasn't, you know. I, I like to say I was the Tea Partier before there was a Tea Party, you know. <laughs> now, and, and, and now, so you've staked certain claims on issues like the CCW issue back in um, uh, 2006. There was also the issue of the, um, was it Prop 73? Prop 75. Prop 75. What was that all about? Well, and that was something that the OCGOP opposed you on back in 2006 and now are embracing. Well, you know, they didn't oppose me. What happened was this. You know, I'm a conservative. And and part of the problem what we have here in Orange County is really a microcosm of what we're seeing countrywide in the Republican circles. A a lot of our Republican leadership have, have failed us because they've left or compromised traditional conservative values for political expediency or to maintain power to keep themselves or their cronies in office, which we've seen far too much of here. When you talk about, you know, and I'm, I've always been a strong conservative. I view my, I'm a Republican because I'm a conservative, where there are others that are right have conservative values when it's convenient for them, right. but they'll toe the Republican leadership line uh, because it benefits them personally. And when you look at what happened with Prop 75, I mean, it was paycheck protection. And that was an issue that cost me. It was an interesting issue, but I came out on it uh, because I believe that union members, I was a part of the deputy sheriff's union for 18 years. I was on their PAC for six years. And I always argued that, look, leadership is a responsibility. And I think that union leaders, just like the leaders of the department or political leaders, have an obligation to come out and make the case to their members or their constituents or the people that work for them or the people they're working for so that they understand what their policies are. And I believe that if that in the case of Prop 75, that members should have to give permission before their dues can be arbitrarily used for political uh, purposes. Which is what Prop 75 was, correct? correct? And it basically said that they had to get permission from the members before they could use it. Uh, and I just think that's sound leadership, and and uh, and I think it would give the the unions more credibility uh, with their uh, with their members when they're making their case because they have that definite support as opposed to uh, conditional support based on the fact that they have the ability to use the money now. So so I came out with it, and of course the establishment uh, really didn't take much of a position. Our DA and our uh, and our that sheriff, Tony Rakakis, Tony Rukakis and, uh, Mike, and Mike Ron at the time, wrote a weak letter taking both sides of the issue and really... But what they did do is use it against me with the unions, and it cost me. I, I will guarantee you my position on Prop 75 uh, cost me... It cost me the runoff, no question. And, and what is the position now on that? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, if you uh, advance forward what we have, we have the Citizens Initiative out there to... Uh, and the problem is, I don't even know if this thing's going to make the ballot. I mean, it's been so poorly uh, um, uh, advertised and marketed and, and that sort of thing. But it's it, it's a, it's another uh, proposal to make sure that unions can't arbitrarily, indiscriminately use members' money for political purposes. So... But the way that's being, you know, it's really being misrepresented, I think, here in Orange County with the with the leadership of the Republican Party. Scott Baugh, who's the chairman here in Orange County, has come out and basically uh, 
issued a, a directive from the Central Committee that they will not, that the Republican Party in Orange County will not support candidates who accept uh, union money, which, number one, from my political philosophy of supporting it and defending our rights, there is no greater right than participating in the political process. Our First Amendment right to assemble and, and freedom of speech and, and to be heard in the political process is one of the most fundamental rights. So I don't think from that perspective it's good policy. But finally, you have to look at how disingenuous this thing is. Because what they're trying to do here in Orange County, not necessarily statewide, and I'm not saying that we don't have an issue in some cases with powerful lobbies like the teachers union or the prison guards union or whatever. But when we're talking about here with, say, for instance, the, the Professional Firefighters Association or the Association of Orange County Deputy Sheriffs, these are the folks, these are the men and women who, they're our first responders. These are the guys and gals who, that when you call 911, they come running to take care of business. And what they've done here, and also, let's look at the position of DA or the position of sheriff. These are nonpartisan offices. And they're not, in, in county government, it's the Board of Supervisors who have responsibility for negotiating contractual benefits with uh, the labor unions and with the, um, with, the, uh, with the rank and file. It's, in fact, the sheriff is precluded by law from pre uh, participating in that process. So, in theory, it shouldn't matter if the sheriff is bought and sold by the unions. He can't, he or she can't impact their salary and benefits. But what you see here, we have an establishment that fears an independent, strong sheriff who will, heaven forbid, investigate political corruption. And what they've done is they've used this as a tool to try to prevent uh, union support or discount the association support, which they knew uh, was going to be coming to me. And I'm happy to say that I you know, I've got the support of the rank and file by an overwhelming margin. And what was the what was the vote on that? Because it's called the AOCDS, which is the Association of what Orange, Orange County, County Deputy, Deputy Sheriffs, Sheriffs. and right. they have a vote. Uh, it's a what two three thousand members strong. It's about nineteen hundred members strong. Okay, and they have a vote each each uh, election cycle, basically when there's a sheriff coming up. Correct. And back in two thousand six. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they voted for you then, correct? They did. Over Mike Corona, it was the first time that the union ever had a, endorsed uh, a political candidate other than the incumbent. And then you've received it again this time around. And what right. were the numbers this time around? Because well, we have an incumbent, well, not an incumbent, we have a appointed sheriff, Sandra correct. Hutchins, and we have another gentleman named Craig Hunter, uh, who is a deputy chief over at Anaheim, who is running as well. What were the numbers for those, for all of you? You know, I don't have the exact numbers, but I do have the percentages oh, the are percentages. pretty close. In 2006, I believe I won by 32 votes, which was significant for a two-term incumbent sheriff. Uh, uh, that was a pretty significant win, but it was, certainly wasn't a landslide by any means. Then, if you remember, there was another vote, because any time the sheriff position is up, they put a vote to the members, and they did it also during the appointment process. The association did the same thing in 2008, and I won there. Uh, over the, the second vote getter was uh, Paul Walters, the chief of police in Santa Ana, and, and I believe I only beat him by 16 votes. So those were pretty, two pretty tight races. Um, but this vote was, uh, I think, an absolute uh, vote of no confidence and a repudiation of the of the policies of the appointed sheriff. I mean, uh, she uh, she garnered, I believe, 26 percent of the vote. Uh, Craig Hunter got something like 11 or 12 percent, and I got over 50 percent of the vote. So a plurality of the votes. Um, you know, in a three-way race, it's a pretty big, 
It's that's, a pretty big that's margin a big of spread. If you're just joining us, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is The OC Show. I am Cameron Jackson, your host. We're going to be uh, taking a break here in just a bit. Um, my guest today is the Sheriff's Candidate Bill Hunt, former lieutenant of the Orange County Sheriff's Department. Uh, Bill, let's talk about uh, Scott Baugh for a moment. Uh, Scott Baugh is the Orange County GOP chairman, and he recently came out with a proclamation uh, and frankly, I viewed this as a way for the Orange County GOP to try to screw you over and screw you out of being endorsed by the OCGOP. But essentially, his proclamation was this. If any member of the OCGOP or if any candidate it wants to uh, in take uh, a union endorsement, seek or take a union endorsement, that's going to preclude them from getting an OCGOP endorsement. Correct. What has been your stance on that? Well, like I started explaining earlier, I mean, I just think it's completely hypocritical. Number one, I don't believe it's constitutional. I mean, uh, everybody has the right to participate in a political process. Could you imagine if somebody came out and said, if you take the GOP's endorsement, uh, you know, we're not going to consider you for ours? I mean, it's the kind of, this is the kind of game-changing at the last minute uh, changing the rules of the game that they've done in the past time they did the same again. thing with the endorsement for mike corona in 2006 if you remember we went in and we said look all we're asking you to do is respect your bylaws whereas in 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 uh um non-partisan offices like the sheriff of the da the board of supervisors where there's more than one republican allow the the um primary process to work in other words they the candidates go out they make their case to the people the people will vote in the primary and then you have your candidate to back and you in and, and if you have uh, good republican candidates in the race then you should allow the system to work that's why the, the their their bylaws are set up that way and of course they didn't they they wanted to put a, a vote through for mike corona now in order to get the vote it requires a supermajority two-thirds plus one and uh, and a fair vote they lost it, and it was by one. I believe it was by one or two it was, votes. It but was they by lost one it. vote. Yes, and and we were happy with that. That but means they, that. And, and let me clarify for the listener out there: they lost it, meaning Mike Corona did not get the vote, the endorsement for G, the GOP endorsement back in two thousand six for correct, that election. Correct. Then the next month, what happened was Michael Schroeder and others who were participating in the endorsement committee re-engineered a second vote, and this time they. I mean, if you could have been there and you want to see. Uh, the intimidating politics like you've never seen. He had his uh, little henchmen standing around the room with clipboards making an active presence, uh, letting people know they were taking notes about who was voting for Corona and who was voting against him. And uh, and they they denied a secret ballot. They refused to allow people to vote secretively. And they got up there and made a show. You need to be proud of your vote. and And it was all intimidation designed to let people know if you vote the wrong way, we're going to remember you. And, and then we lost that one by a vote, and they gave Mike Corona the endorsement. And, right. of course, the rest is history. Right. And, then, and then people like Dana Rohrabacher and others came in and made passionate appeals for this great conservative who they felt they needed to stand behind, irregardless of all the you know, scandal going on in the paper. So. Well, and what I find interesting, if we could just uh, reminisce a bit about that moment, uh, what I find interesting about that is uh, there was a name you just mentioned, Michael Schroeder, that people might not be aware of. Michael Schroeder is the... 
Uh, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to Mike Corona. He's Mike Corona's attorney. Sometimes he's his spokesman. Sometimes he's his um, campaign... Uh, political advisor. Political advisor. Well, right. No, he's a political a campaign consultant, rather. Political consultant. Uh, sometimes he's a campaign uh, chairman for Mike Corona. He's, he does everything for Mike Corona. So uh, he was really a central figure when it came to Mike Corona. Uh, and, uh, you know... It shows you the kind of arm twisting that somebody like Mark Schroeder does in order to get the vote for his guy. And what's interesting is that at the last CRA conference that happened at Knott's Berry Farm here mm-hmm. recently, the CRA is the California uh, Republican Assembly. Correct. And these are a, a large influential group in Orange, uh, in California that, that endorses people. They endorse, for instance, Poisoner uh, this time around and other uh, Chuck DeVore. The, so he was actually at that event and he did the same type he tried to lobby for the same type of thing to have an open vote so that they could pin it on each member on who they were voting for and unfortunately fortunately for that organization they shot down michael schroeder's idea of doing that so that's just a side for everybody else you know if you're just joining us this is the oc show right here on kuci 88.9 fm in irvine my name is Cameron Jackson. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about your campaign, how things are going with the campaign, and, uh, you know, whatever else I can come up with. We'll throw a few doozies in there for I you. Love it. All right, good. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions and views expressed in the OC show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. That's right, folks. Just remember, I am your Superman, baby. All righty. Welcome back to the show. I am Cameron Jackson. This is the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. If you're just joining us, my uh, guest today, my in-studio to guest today is... Uh, Bill Hunt. He is a former sheriff's lieutenant from the Orange County Sheriff's Department. He is running for sheriff. We have a sheriff's election in June, if you did not know that, but now you do know it. We do have one in June, so you need to get out there and vote. I've been talking uh, with him today about uh, uh, unions and his stance on uh, CCWs, which is concealed weapons permits. And uh, what is your stance, uh, by the way, Bill, on uh, CCWs? Well, I think my stance on concealed weapons is consistent with my stance on what an elected official's responsibility is, what their duty is. You know, if you look at our, one of the things I talk about when I'm out on the campaign trail is when you talk about the responsibilities of an elected official, there are many things that they're responsible for, right? We, you know, we talk about some of the issues going on in the country right now, health care, raising taxes, lowering taxes, or whatever it is. We hope that our elected officials <coughs> will... Uh, make the best decisions for us in setting policy, whether it's at the local, state, or national level. But their duty, their fundamental duty, is to support and defend the Constitution. That's what they raise their hand to do when they're sworn into office. And and, and, and the Constitution, of course, and the accompanying Bill of Rights is what uh, protects us as individuals from our government. That's what makes our government so fundamentally different 
uh, than any other government in the world, and that's why America is the country it is today. So when you look at the Second Amendment, we have allowed, voluntarily allowed erosion of that Second Amendment. And I think fundamentally it should be the litmus test for our politicians. I don't care if you're running for a school board or president of the United States. We should be asking them, where do you stand on the Second Amendment? Because if they don't support and defend your right to keep and bear arms, then I'm telling you they're giving you lip service on anything else. Because they're never asked about states' rights or they're never asked about uh, the Fourth Amendment right, search and seizure, and, and, and the things that we're held to at a high standard in law enforcement. They're never asked, really, about the First Amendment. And when they do, those are easy things for them to answer. They, give, they can give you lip service because they, uh, they have very little control over it. When you look at how we've lost and in, in the, in the danger that our Second Amendment right is, these are God-given inalienable rights that can't be taken from you, allegedly, that are being restricted. And California, sadly, is way behind the curve when you look at it. And we've got, like I said earlier, the sheriff's responsible for determining policy, the sheriff alone. So we got 58 different policies in California. Does that make any sense? And when you look back over, over historically, many times it's, be, it, it's either to defend, like in the case of the appointed sheriff, obviously a political position, or worse yet, to control political contributions. Because if you can wave that concealed weapon permit up there and infer that, hey, you support the sheriff, maybe you get a CCW, right? I mean, that's, that's exactly what we don't want in our elected officials. But So we need, I, I think that authority needs to be taken from the sheriff. I think we should have a shall-issue position like many of the other states. I believe the 39 shall-issue states, and a shall-issue state is where a law-abiding citizen comes in uh, they're not prohibited by law from possessing a firearm. They take the training and do the things they need to do, and they're issued a concealed weapon permit. And, of course, good things come from that. Crime is, we, we know from, uh, from empirical studies done over time that in communities where a law-abiding citizen's right to keep and bear arms is respected, crime goes down. Less weapons are on the street. Less criminals are in possessions of, of weapons. And cops are safer. So fundamentally, it's the duty of an elected sheriff to support that right. But operationally, without spending a dime, you drive crime down. And at the end of the day, what business is, is the sheriff in? So my policy is, if, you meet, if you're a law-abiding citizen, uh, I'm going to issue a CCW. And for me, per the, the good clause requirement here in the, stale, the state of California, uh, I will accept personal protection because fundamentally and you know this as a former police officer fundamentally police officers do not interrupt violent crime they come after the fact and clean it up and and, and hopefully we catch the criminal and hold them accountable and so on but if you are denied the means to protect yourself uh when the chips are down when you're sitting at that intersection uh, in the middle of santa Ana at midnight and somebody comes up to carjack you or you're at your uh neighborhood ATM and somebody comes up and, and robs you at gunpoint and you have no means to protect yourself, then you're a victim. And that needs to stop. You know, uh, my good friend R. Scott Moxley over at the OC Weekly wrote a, a, a very uh, well done article called The Fall and Rise of Bill Hunt. This was in last week's uh, issue, the week, uh, what is this? Uh, April 2nd to 8th. You can go to OC Weekly's website, ocweekly.com, and you can uh, read the article yourself. There was something in here that he wrote in the beginning that I want to read and have you respond to. Okay. So, During a Republican sheriff's candidate forum inside a gated Mission, community, uh, Mission Viejo community in late March, the audience voiced concerns about the federal government limiting water supplies to California communities. Bill Hunt 
The former sheriff's lieutenant turned P.I., grabbed a microphone, then stood and gazed confidently around the room before offering his solution. Quote, I'd put together an armed posse of deputies at the shutoff valve, said a dead serious hunt, winning generous applause from the Casada del Sol Republican Club. Explain to me what, what, what does that mean? You would actually send an armed posse out to the shutoff, water shutoff valve. Well, again, I think it's it's having a sheriff who understands the constitutional authority of that office and understands what their duty is to their constituents. I mean, look what happened here fundamentally. We had the federal government come into the state of California, our farming community, and in agriculture is one of the major industries here in the state of California, certainly up there in the Central Valley where this incident occurred. And, and behind some United Nations uh, a treaty on endangered species, uh, they came in and essentially deprived that community of their ability uh, to, to earn a living. And look what happened. In, in the worst economic time of our lifetime, certainly, unemployment in that area is over 40%, 4-0%. It's unconscionable. Now, our, we have two forms of government, state and local, and our Constitution defines clearly what the role of the federal government is in article one section eight of the united states constitution anything not defined in there is the responsibility of the state now what's happened in i talked about how we've kind of allowed our we've given our politicians too much free reign it's the same thing our politicians in many respects have been dumbed down and they no longer know what their authority is or because of controversy you're unwilling to exercise it but we need to start electing people that will say look not somebody who's going to fight on every street corner and be unreasonable but when when our rights are being restricted and our communities are being adversely impacted they need to stand up and exercise their authority to stop it and what i'm saying is that there are other ways that we could have dealt with that issue besides crippling the community and i would have stopped the federal government i would have prohibited them from turning the water off and i would have said look we can we can look. Let's work together. Let's find other solutions. Maybe we can put screens in there. We can reroute the water. Maybe we can do find another habitat for the. I don't know what the answer is, but the answer isn't uh, selling out our constituents. And in every case, Cameron, that a sheriff has stood up and taken on uh, the federal government when they've overstepped their authority as defined by the Constitution, they always win. And here's the other thing too. The people are going to support the sheriff because the, the sheriff and those deputies are from this community and they're answerable to the people in this community. And they're going to be making their decisions based on what's best for this community, not some bureaucrat back in Washington, D.C., arbitrarily deciding that this is the way to go. So we had a breakdown in the state. Our governor could have done it and, and, and got up and made some uh, very you know strong public language about how he disapproved, but he didn't lift a finger to stop it. And same with the sheriff up there. If if I, if it were me, I would have ended it. You know, and there's been uh, you had uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio from mm -hmm. uh, Maricopa County, very famous uh, right. sheriff here in the United States of America. If you, you haven't bet. if you haven't heard of him, go Google him. Yeah, <laughs> Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And you know, um, uh, he, he, just a very charismatic guy. He came and he spoke for you. He endorsed you. And he's he, coming back out this month, too. Uh, outstanding. Yeah. He's coming back out this month for you. But you got, uh, there were some people who picked at you for that. And, and, and in fact, in fact, even at this same thing, one of the, Craig Hunter, who was running against you, yep. uh, 
referred to Arpaio as racist. Yeah. And there are people in the um, illegal immigrant communities who are pro-illegal immigration who are just like, you know, when you say you are going to model your uh, sheriff's department or the way that you uh, work as sheriff after Joe Arpaio, that makes people go nuts. Explain that. Well, a couple things. First of all, you know, and not only did Craig Hunter call him a racist there, but on another uh, forum that we had, he got up and complained how he had to spend overtime uh, to put officers out there at that event that we hosted up at the uh, Phoenix Club up in Anaheim. Now, isn't that tragic? You got you got a deputy police chief in a sanctuary city worried about having to protect uh, uh, people from illegal aliens that they created this to begin with. We have these, and fundamentally it goes back to what I'm talking about. You have these bureaucrats that get in power at the top of these organizations and they don't have the constitution to do what's right and to do their job and do their duty and they're so afraid of controversy they'll do anything to avoid it. Now, you, in contrast, you look at Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Here's why, number one, he is, without question, I think, the preeminent sheriff in the country right now. Uh, most people know him for pink underwears and, and, and tent cities and chain gangs and that sort of thing. But really, what do those things represent? Innovation. Innovation. Somebody who looks at the job differently. Joe Arpaio doesn't approach his job like a typical bureaucrat, right, where, where, he, where it's a combined game of monopoly and risk, right, using other people's money to build the biggest empire you can. He uses creative solutions to do things differently in his jails, the way they enforce the law. He actually enforces immigration law, which is why uh, he gets a little back- backlash and, some, and there's some controversy surrounding him. But what do we want? We've got th- this immigra- failure of immigration has resulted in it's bankrupting our criminal justice system. You can't run for sheriff in the south, southwest like we are here in California and not be asked about the immigration issue. It's bankrupting our education system. It's bankrupting our health care system. In our country, our state, and our county are in dire financial straits. As long as we continue to play, pay lip service to something that's, that's responsible for almost 30% of our budget, and act like it's not a problem, and worry about hurting people's feelings. And when people who actually engage in the process call somebody who's doing their duty a racist, shame on you, because Craig Hunter isn't offering any solutions. So, yeah, you bet. We need more Joe Arpaio types, and here's what I'm proud of. This guy, I'm telling you, his credibility, when he... he, he did his background. He knows who's in this race out here in Orange County. This, there are issues like the Second Amendment issue we talked about, our constitutional rights, like immigration enforcement, that have become national issues in this race. He knows full well who, who's in this campaign, and he supports me. I'm honored to have it. And what, what, are your, what is your stance on immigration? Well, I think, first of all, we need to quit playing politics with it. You know, my position hasn't changed since 2005, like most of my positions. But first, first and foremost, if you see what's happening with this uh, uh, screening of the um, illegal al- aliens in the jail. If you remember back in 2005, Mike Corona was in some real trouble, right? And he proposed this cross-deputization program to start screening inmates uh, in our jails. Yeah. And he did it to, to stem the bleeding on the right. And, keep, and, and it probably contributed to his less than 1% win. But he had let that program lapse. This wasn't a new program. Brad Gates used to have actual immigration officers in the jails screening inmates for their immigration status corona let it lapse when he got in trouble he rolled it back out it's the same thing here with sandra hutchins sandra hutchins allowed the program that mike corona rolled out to lapse now that it's getting close to election time she's talking uh 
uh, tough on immigration, but here are the facts. We are citing releasing every misdemeanor. We don't even book them. We, we, we release them on a promise to appear many times in the field. Uh, some uh, uh, crimes like drunk driving get booked for about four hours, but they're still being released and they're not being screened. And that failed program has resulted in 2,000 empty beds in our jails on a daily basis by the interim sheriff's own numbers and more than 140,000 warrants on average, more than 32,000 felons, more than 111,000 misdemeanors, and they're out in your backyard avoiding uh, responsibility in the courts. And many of these people are illegal immigrants who've never been screened. It's a farce. When I'm sheriff, we're going to do it right. My policy is going to be you stay in jail or pay your bail, period. Now, we're going to book misdemeanors, and we're going to use our jail space, those 2,000 beds, to put criminals in when we arrest them in the field. And that's a healthy criminal justice process because what happens then, they can make their bail. That's a legitimate part of the criminal justice system. But now they're bearing the cost for their own release. And there's a bondsman accountable for them. If they don't show up, they don't just go on uh, the back of the 140,000 warrants in the system. They now, uh, they got a bondsman hunting them down. And if the bondsman doesn't get them in in time, they pay the court. So it contributes to the economy, creates jobs, right? And, we're, and, and the crooks are bearing the responsibility for their own conduct. And we should be doing that with public defenders. We, we need to start screening. In 2008, 90% of criminal defendants in Orange County, one of the wealthiest communities in the world, went straight to a public defender, which means you and I are paying for their defense. It's unconscionable. They sh we have a criminal defense bar. The criminals or their family should be bearing the cost for that unless they're indigent. OR, which is a detention release program, being released on your own cognizance, and, and, uh, and the public defender's office was designed for the indigent, not uh, as a not as a subsidy for crime. Finally, health care in our jails. You know, I mean, if health care isn't on everybody's, uh, the front of everybody's mind right now, listen to this. Every crook that gets booked in the Orange County Jail, every crook gets free health care. Now, well, there's a provision in the penal code, and I talked about this before the board in 2008. It was part of my platform in 2005. The state of California allows us to charge inmates back for their health care. So like you and I, if we were to get booked and we have California care or Pacific care or whatever, we get charged back just like if we went to our health care provider for a visit. But we don't do it. We had, a, we had a forum with the appointed sheriff, and I brought that up, and she said, well, yeah, we looked into it, and we didn't think we could save enough money. To which I responded, spoken like a true bureaucrat. Here she is firing people, and she hasn't done all she can to save money. Shame on you. And that's the problem. That's why we're on the verge of our second bankruptcy after the short 15 years from that last nationally embarrassing bankruptcy scandal we had. Because we put, keep putting bureaucrats in who don't think outside the box, who, who don't evaluate the system. This site release program was, was in, initiated because our jails were overcrowded. Now we got 2,000 beds free and we're citing them into the field still. And she wants to bring federal criminal aliens into our jail. That's the appointed sheriff's solution. It's unconscionable. If you're just joining us, my guest today is former Lieutenant Bill Hunt. He is running for sheriff here in Orange County. We have an election in June. We just have a couple minutes left. Uh, Bill, this is the OC Show with Cameron Jackson right here on KUCI. Um, Bill, uh, real quick, uh, only a couple of minutes. In about one minute, and I know that's not very fair, what's your ultimate vision for the sheriff's department when you get in here? What, what are the things that you want to tackle right away? Well, my ultimate vision is make the Orange County Sheriff's Department the best department in the nation. 
plain, plain and simple. We can do it. If Joe Arpaio can 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 be can uh, create a nationally recognized uh, department as he's done out there in the middle of the desert, look what we could do here with the resources and the manpower we have available to us. I'm absolutely convinced in a very short time we can be the standard in law enforcement. But then we but but it's it, it's not that simple a process. We need to fundamentally change the, the way the sheriff's office is run. I talked about some of the reforms we need to do inside. I talked about how we need to support people's constitutional rights. We need to really institute a, a um, culture of service in the department so people understand, you know, we need to get away from this law enforcement, law enforcement, law enforcement. That's part of what we do. But fundamentally, what are we really? We're peace officers. We're supposed to protect the public. We're from, we come from the public. This us against them mentality needs to go. And that all comes from leadership. So, you know, I'm going to change the culture. I'm going to support the men and women when they do their job. I'm going to give them the tools, training, equipment they need to get the job done. We're going to set the bar high for them. We're going to set high performance standard and then we're going to get out of the way and let them do the job and i'm going to hold management accountable which is something that hasn't been uh the case in our department for too long for performance uh in the areas that they command or supervise and and you know if we do that uh it's going to be very because that that was an excellent organization and that institutional memory is there we just we there, there is i guess i'll end with this there is a formula for a successful sheriff and that's one who came up through the organization who has committed their life to serve in this community who develops and 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 uh, brings up uh, leadership from within the organization who have also committed their uh, lives and and and, and uh, professional career to this county and to this department and that's the solution that's what I'm going to bring back to the Orange County Sheriff's Department. Quickly, Bill, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, my website, BillHuntForSheriff.com. BillHuntForSheriff.com. And we've got a lot going on. It's a very exciting time. A lot of people involved with the effort. So uh, send us an email. Uh, give us a call. And you've got uh, show Facebook, up at an event. We do, well, we got Facebook. We're on everything. Okay, yeah. good. Thank you very much, Bill, for coming. It has been a pleasure once again. It always is a pleasure for me. Thank you. It is for me, too. All right, folks, that's it for the day. I'm sorry i got to leave 10 minutes early. That's because we have KUCI baseball coming up next. As always, I am here every Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. telling you what really goes on in Orange County politics. All of you out there are awesome. I'm so happy to be back with you again, and I will see you all next week. Bye-bye.